Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stan the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the Bat Around. Guys, take it away. All right, and a very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you on this Saturday morning, the 23rd of uh, February, 2019. The Bat Around is on the air, and there are no guys in here. There's just me and Brittany Everett. So it's a guy and a gal. How are you this week, young Miss Everett? I'm doing well. How have you been, Stan? I'm doing good. How's the uh, search going for a full-time job? You know, it's going. It's a slow process, but I'm hopeful. You're working it uh, very hard, though. I am, yes. I mean, you are leaving no stone unturned. Yes, looking for jobs is a full-time job. My, uh, My references have not helped yet. Um, a little bit. Got some freelance work coming on the way. Yeah, so. Good. Well, I'm I'm glad. I'm going to let folks know what's on the show. Is that okay? Yeah, that's great. Go for it. All right. I'm going to do that. All right. We've got quite a show for you today. It was a fast-evolving program yesterday, uh, triggered partly by the really sad news of the passing of and I'm not trying to put this off like he's one of my was one of my best friends, but he was somebody. Nick Cafardo of the Boston Globe was somebody that I've long admired, and I got to know over the past two to three years fairly well. Uh, to where, when I called him, he would do the show. When I'd see him, we'd have a few minutes and chat. Always found him very engaging, very. Uh, just right on his Sunday column in the Boston Globe will truly be missed by not just myself, not just by Boston Red Sox fans who read the Boston Globe regularly, but by baseball fans all across the country. Uh, when I was growing up, and I'm talking about probably my late teens into my early 20s, Peter Gammon's Sunday baseball column also in the Boston Globe, was just a phenomenal read of rumors and notes and um, hypotheses and all kinds of analysis. Uh, And I don't know exactly when, when Gammons morphed into doing more TV with ESPN and became sort of what he is today, a Hall of Fame uh, writer. Uh, I don't know exactly when Nick Cafardo took over. I think he was doing that column for about 18 years, I believe. Uh, But the outpouring within 10 minutes of my hearing about his death on Thursday uh, to hear uh, my friend Mike Shallon, who will join us on the program today, to hear Mike talking about it on Twitter, to Jason Stark, to Joel Sherman, uh, Jeff Patterson, uh, Ken Rosenthal, everybody. Uh, and then then the, the outpouring came from the baseball community. Um, he will be missed, and there will not be a press box out there, and I'm not talking about our paper or our website. There will not be a literal baseball press box this year where stories aren't shared, tears aren't shed, and um, 
a smile will be put on faces, but a sad smile because of the loss at far too young an age, 62 years of age, Nick Cafardo passed away from uh, brain embolism. Um, and uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to his wife and his two children, uh, Nick Cafardo. Anyway, we will have, I was going to give Mike Shallon a week off this week, but he's going to join us at 1045 to talk about his friend and competitor, um, Nick Cafardo. Todd Karpovich is going to join us in just a couple minutes because we've booked extra heavy in the 10 o'clock hour because uh, Todd will be on with us from 10.10 to about 10.22, thereabouts. We'll then make our connection is opening day at Ed Smith Stadium. And uh, what would opening day be without Eric Garfield from Baltimore Snowball Company, uh, Baltimore born and bred, and he lives in Sarasota now, and he has the snowball concession at Ed Smith Stadium. I think this is going on his fourth or fifth season We'll chat with him about his hopes and aspirations and how his uh, dog Scooter's doing. Um, and then, joining us at 1035, you may know him quite well. You may love him quite a lot. And that is Boog Pal. And there's some new and, ex- new and exciting news about Boog's Barbecue, which is heading south for the first time. It will open today in that left field kind of patio down the left field line. Boog's Barbecue will be at Sarasota, and Boog himself, his son J.W. Powell, will run the stand the entire spring training um, accompaniment of about uh, uh, 12 or 14 home games. But Boog will be at about seven or eight games, and we're really looking forward to chatting with Boog Powell today uh, and talking to him both about the snowball stand and about the passing of Frank Robinson uh, about 10, 12 days ago, and um, talk about being missed. Frank Robinson will be missed in baseball stadiums all across the country. Orioles doing the right thing, paying tribute to him with a number 20 orange patch, orange on gold, on black, excuse me, orange on black patch, and it will stand out uh, and be meaningful and uh, that is as it should be. Uh, Frank Robinson, who passed away after a battle over the last year and a half or so with bone cancer, um, and it took him away from us. He had a long, uh, good, uh, meaningful life. And again, as I wrote about Frank a couple times in the past weeks, uh, I have to be honest with you, you are hard-pressed to come up with people that have had a more important career in the game of baseball, and by that I mean he never did become commissioner of baseball, uh, but he played the game at an all-star level, he coached in the game, he managed in the game on four different occasions, was it four, Cleveland, San Francisco, Baltimore, Montreal, and Washington, he managed in five cities, four franchises, and he also worked for the uh, American League office and then for Major League Baseball, Frank Robinson, a career unparalleled. Uh, Mike Shallon, as I mentioned, will join us at 1045 to talk about the passing of his friend and competitor, uh, Nick Cafardo of the Boston Globe. Mike, for years, wrote at the Boston Herald in New York, in, in Boston, not in New York. Uh, he is from New York originally. Uh, 11.05, Greg Olson will join us. Uh, Greg, who pitched for Frank Robinson, 
uh, will talk to us about uh, what he's going to be doing, what kind of uh, uh, workload he's got on the Oriole broadcast coming up this season. Uh, and then I was able to get a brief interview with, uh, not a brief interview, about a 15-minute interview, and we'll end the show with that with Steve Molesky. Steve will um, be embarking upon something on Monday, uh, and he'll be doing 16 games on Orioles.com. These are games that are neither on radio or television. These are 16 games that otherwise Baltimore baseball fans would not be able to follow and we're excited to talk to Steve about that. We know he bleeds orange and black. He's worked for Masson for about 12 or 13 years now, maybe a little longer. Uh, well, as long as the network's been, but he's been a writer for the most part. Steve came from a broadcast background, um, and most of us can multitask that are in broadcasting, but Steve Molesky, he loves doing play-by-play, and he's going to get an opportunity to do 16 games. I hope that this leads to him doing some games on the radio for the Baltimore Orioles this year, of course, with the uh, retirement of Joe Angel. Uh, That remains to be seen just exactly how the Orioles are going to break down their broadcast teams. All right, joining us right now, and I just remind you, if you get on to uh, Facebook uh, Live, and are watching the show on facebook.com slash Sports. please like the show and share the show. I can never tell if I've shared it. I know now it has been shared to my timeline. All right, so join us. Uh, please spread the word about the show. And, uh, and by spreading the word about the show, I don't mean call your friends and say, hey, stand the fans on. But that's like the modern version of this. If you're watching and enjoying our baseball talk show every Saturday morning, please like it and share it because then if it's on your feed, somebody else can see it and they can also like it and share it and it kind of builds. It's like a um, multi-level marketing scheme, right? Exactly. Sort of like selling vitamins or something. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. amazing. It's amazing. All right, joining us right now is Todd Karpovich, who did me a favor. He shared the video. Thank you, Todd Karpovich. I did. That's right. All right. Now, did you like it, too? I liked it, too, and I shared it. All right. I'm I'm on board. And I appreciate your liking it, even though I know you don't like the show. I love the show. My favorite show, actually. Hey, what else uh, are you covering today, by the way? I know. Um, My daughter's got to play at St. Paul's School, so I am... I'm on dad duty today. Oh, great. That's great. Hey, before we talk baseball, um, we've watched a lot of lacrosse, you more than me, but uh, we've never seen a um, a Hopkins team get off to the kind of start. And I, maybe they've gone 0-2 before, Todd. 1971. 1971. Wow. Yep. But but even worse than the 0-2 is the, is the sort of the way they've played. They've gotten spanked. By Towson and Loyola. Yeah, and uh, he was Patrick Model was sort of after the um, Loyola game. He was sort of okay with the. He said the offense played better, but they got to get that defense together. Yeah, I mean you can't. It doesn't matter what the offense does; they're giving up seventeen goals a game. Yeah, I mean, come on, that's not Hopkins lacrosse. No, that is not Hopkins lacrosse, and that's not the way Dave Petromala played the game. He was one of the no, great defensemen. No, they got a tough one today against Carolina. I mean, they're looking at only three. Are they at Carolina? They're at Carolina. They're yeah. in Chapel Hill. All right, I have a feeling they're gonna. They're, I don't know though, but I've been so unimpressed with the way they've played both 
in what I'm seeing as the talent level and what I'm seeing as the, as Buck Showalter would have said, the want to, you know. Well, they're really missing um, Shaq Stanwick, who was sort of like the quarterback, yeah. you know, of that team. He, he was a leader, and he kind of, you know, he kind of he kind of set the tempo. The guys looked up to him. So they, they're going to need to find somebody to kind of fill that role. I think Kyle Moore is one of those guys that can do it. But right. he's, he's sort of growing into that role. Hey, there's no more Sh- uh, Stanwicks, though, are there? No, that's it. Okay, there's no more. I guess he's got to wait if he's around, maybe for the well, grandkids. For about 15 or 16 years, I think the, the, the girls have kids. Right, all right. Who will eventually be the cross players. All right. Hey, uh, what have you observed this week? It's been interesting following the Orioles. You know, they they clearly weren't going to be in the Manny Machado sweepstakes, and just as clear they weren't going to be in the Marwin Gonzalez sweepstakes. But I think it's been interesting the last 10 days They've picked up one veteran outfielder candidate in Eric Young and one in, and one infield candidate in Alcides Escobar. I think these guys are inexpensive insurance policies against against disaster, right? I agree. I tell you what, the big I think the big story to come out of camp this week was Hunter Harvey about the way he threw. I mean, yep. I think Hyde's called Hyde called electrifying. You yep. know, if 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 they could if they get him to come around, you know, and um, he he can he can be a, uh, a dark horse for that for the uh, for the rotation. So it's going to be interesting to watch how how he develops. Um, and then of course Carnes, you know, they they might have those two spots, you know, guys who can you know be difference makers. Yeah, so, I mean Hess, I think most of us would have penciled him in, but it's a soft pencil, uh, yeah. you know, right now. Um, Carnes, I got to tell you. I, I'm now at least once a week on Masson's Mid-Atlantic Sports Report, and one day about three weeks ago we were given a, an assignment to name a couple players that we would like to see the Orioles pick up before, you know, training camp started. Um, and, and Nate Carnes was one of them. But I see Carnes much more effective as a bullpen arm, even one that could be in late-inning leverage situations I think with his health history, but his strikeout to innings pitch ratio, I think he'd be terrific in the bullpen. They seem to think they might be able to get innings out of him. For a guy that didn't throw one inning in the majors last year, I think to think he's going to be some type of innings eater, I mean, it'd be a lot if he came back and pitched 80 to 100 innings as yeah, a starter. Yeah, what's he going to do in July and August when yeah. the starts to get tired yeah. after he didn't yeah. pitch at all last year? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I, yeah, I think they got some big decisions to make with that. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think Carnes might be suited for the bullpen. And of course, they got they got Ramirez starting today. That's yeah. an interesting spring training game. And, and it's interesting, you, you make a, a great point. If a Hunter Harvey uh, were able to pop up in there and and free up another starting rotation spot to somebody uh, to I mean excuse me free up somebody that's penciled in like like Carnes into the depth piece in the bullpen uh, could, it could help the staff. Yeah, I mean if this spot's an opener, and there's a lot of ways they can attack. It, you know, no question, um, no question about it. Um, Eric Young and Alcides Escobar. Uh, you agree with my take on that, that they sort of are guys that are uh, just bridges in case Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, and DJ Stewart aren't really ready for prime time. And in the case of Alcides Escobar, in the case that Drew Jackson or Richie Martin, Martin 
aren't ready to take over at shortstop. I agree 100. percent And there are a couple of no risk deals, uh, a couple of veteran guys. Um, they got Eric Young in the, in the starting lineup today, um, so we'll see what he can do. At least playing left field. Um, that's a crowded outfield, though. Since we they're going to have some numbers issues there, but um, yeah, I like I like both those veterans. I like I like how both of them are willing to serve as sort of mentor roles yep. know, for some of the younger guys. See how it's done, and yeah, it takes it takes some of the pressure off some of the younger guys if they don't have to come in and you know and be you know. If they're going to have to contribute, but to be you know to be a major contributors, you know, until they they start to get their feet wet. I know you're 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 not just getting your feet wet, but I mean I know you're handling the the Orioles beat for us, and we know that you're not going to be in spring training, and you're not going to do some road trips like Rich Dubroff did, you know, when he was covering the O's for us. But I'm sure you follow not just things on the field. Um, this broadcast schedule it's been kind of interesting. Uh, the Orioles are finally dabbling in the putting the games, uh, the the spring training games. They've got 16 of them on their digital uh, network on Orioles.com with Steve Molesky doing the play-by-play. So there's really no excuse now, even if you're at work, uh, and I know how hard you work as a, as an editor, uh, but you can listen to the games when, when yeah. they're not on TV or radio. Hey, this is, a, this is a new era with John Lou Angeles. I really do. I think they're really, really um, being innovative with the team. It's really, I mean, it really is. It really is a new order. So we're going to see a lot of changes. There'll be a lot of a big difference in the way people are able to see the team, follow the team, yep. how the team performs, what information's out there. You know, I think there's going to be more. Um, I think Mike Elias is going to be more transparent yep. than Dan Duquette. Um, I think Brandon Hyde, the young manager, he's excited. Yeah, they were talking about some of the, the differences between Hyde and uh, Buck yesterday, and Hyde's kind of, he's kind of, uh, you know, he's, he's really going to be much more. He's going to be much more involved than players. Yeah, it's a different age age bracket. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I love Buck. Don't get me wrong, I love yep. Buck, but it's definitely a different Orioles team. No question about it. No question about it. Have you heard any rumors as to how they're going to divvy up? the broadcast work that Joe Angel did, or has that not started to seep through uh, to the media yet? I think they're going to see how guys do. You know, I mean, it, it might be, you talk about competition, that might be a little competition in the broadcast. <laughs> to, see, to, see, to see who kind of, you know, resonates with the audience and who does, who does the best job. I really do. We're talking with Todd Karpovich. Can you answer that? Okay. Uh, Boop Powell is calling us. We're seeing okay. uh, that's yep. a new change down at uh, Sarasota. Boop Powell is going to be doing his barbecue stand in in Sarasota. That's pretty How exciting. How much fun is that? That is really a lot of fun. I can't wait to go down. Uh, and, and I gave him a great recommendation that Rich Dubroff turned me on. I said, hey, we'll have to eat at Cannon's. It's a great steakhouse in Sarasota. He goes, just ate there last night. So Dubrov probably got to him already. Yeah, he he goes he, he hits Florida with a knife and fork in his bag. He's yes, he, he does. <laughs> he, hits, uh, he hits everywhere with a knife and fork in his bag. All right. Well, anyway, we always appreciate your being on. We're squeezing in a couple other guests. Uh, is Boog okay? Okay, good. I'm just checking. Uh, we're going to have our friend Eric Garfield on. I have him on every year on opening day at Ed Smith Stadium. He's got the Baltimore Snowball uh, Company and his snowball stand down there that he brought from Baltimore with him. So we're looking forward to talking to him. What do you got on? You got daddy duty on tap today, right? Yeah, my daughter's going to play uh, at St. Paul. So we're excited for that. All right. Hey, one last question for you. One last question for you. 
Uh, and I was just interviewed. I was on Bruce Posner's show, the uh, Terp, Terp Talk show this morning. And um, it involves the three starting pitchers. And I found myself saying this, that ironically, the better they pitch, the more their chances of not being on the team the whole year are. Wouldn't you yeah, agree? I just, yeah, I just read a story um, on, on, for a press box online this week about that. How a lot of the veterans is going to be, you know, they, you know, they they all want to contribute, but again, they're really showcasing themselves for potential, you know, for other for teams, contenders. For contenders. Yep, yep. Yeah. I don't think there's any question about that. All right, yeah. Todd. Many many thanks to you for being on with us, and we'll let you get on with your. Daddy duties today. Sounds good. Hey, tell Boog I said hello. All right, and we'll uh, we'll chat with you. I'll see if uh, Craig wants to have you the week after next. Next week, I've got somebody else in the early time slot. We'll give you the week off, all right? That sounds good. And then I'm in spring training, and uh, maybe Craig will give you a call, all right? Sounds, sounds good. I appreciate it. All right, Todd. Thanks very much. Thanks, Dan. Todd Karpovich, uh, just a jack of all trades, but a master of some. Knows his lacrosse, knows his football, and knows his baseball. And he'll be covering the um, – he covers the lacrosse scene for us. He also covers Navy football for us. And he uh, also covers uh, the Baltimore Orioles for us. And he keeps us up to date on whatever is new in the world of soccer. Uh, we're going to be joined in just a couple minutes by Eric Garfield. Again, urging you, if you have tuned in on Facebook Live this morning – Please go to um, your uh, your like and your share buttons, all right? Have you liked and shared yet, Britt? All right. Already done. Already done. Then why doesn't it say? It's very frustrating here. Let me see how many. I just refreshed it. Let's see what the feed says. Because I know now three people have liked the show and shared the show. And it is, oh, okay. Brittany Everett, you that's me, you, that's Brittany Everett, John Colson. So we've got five uh, likes so far and five shares so far. That's pretty good for fifth, 20 minutes yeah, into the well. show. At that rate, we could get 25 uh, shares in this show. Let's go for it. Let's go for it, seriously. Anything over 10 or 12 would be phenomenal. My bet, and I hate to be a pessimist, it's, it's amazing to me how hard it is. Will... We'll end up seeing at some point this week that this show will have 350 to 450 viewers, and we're not making the claim that 450 people are sitting there watching this show for two hours. But to be to be clicked to be to click the dial so it, you add up on our views means you've had to be engaged with the show. But my guess is I make that pitch, and the original people that, sh- that share it. And it'll somehow be five to seven shares. When there is really no reason, we couldn't have 20 to 25 shares in a given show and and do a 1,000 views on this show. Would really appreciate that that help this year. No question about it. And we're going to promote it more and more often. By the way, I have, um, as we make our connection with uh, Eric Garfield of the Baltimore Snowball Company, uh, we will tell you that Boog Powell will follow him. Mike Shallon will follow him. And, again, we're having Mike on uh, with the sad duty of t- telling us a little bit more intimately 
about his relationship with the late Nick Cafardo, who passed away, the Boston Globe's great baseball writer, who passed away just a couple days ago, uh, Nick Cafardo, uh, 62 years of age, uh, was where he wanted to be in a baseball stadium in Fort Myers uh, when he passed away. He was succumbed to uh, a brain embolism, and those things, when they happen, uh, there's very little that can be done. Very little that can be done. He leaves behind a wife and two children. One of his sons uh, works for ESPN. Um, our Glenn Clark knows his son fairly well. Glenn, if you got into the media at the age Glenn did, you know, 10 years ago, uh, he knows seems to know everybody from XM, from ESPN. It's uh, quite amazing. But Eric Garfield going to join us, Boog Pal, Mike Shallon. 11.05, we'll talk to former Orioles relief pitcher, Greg Olson, and then um, we'll leave the, sh- the air this afternoon or this morning with Steve Molesky, uh, an interview we did by tape. Steve is down in Sarasota now getting ready to do his first broadcast on Orioles.com on Monday. Joining us right now is Eric Garfield, who's become a bud and a friend and uh, also serves up a mean snowball down there at Ed Smith Stadium. How ready are you for today, uh, Eric Garfield? Stan, I, ju- I just dumped the ice in the snowball machine, so when gates open in 15 minutes, I'm, I'm sitting and waiting for them to open. Now, Happy Saturday, by the way. Happy Saturday to you and happy opening day to you. Uh, how's, yeah. how's Scooter doing? Uh, he is. He's now two, two years and four months. That's amazing. And, uh, everything is going great. More walks without the leash, a lot of time. And, uh, you know, he's growing up and maturing, and it's really beautiful to see. Can confirm, Thanks for asking. Confirm this, though. A dog is a great chick magnet, isn't it? Uh, yes. Okay. That's all. That's <laughs> all. It was a one-word answer. Yeah, he's a good-looking dude. So, uh, yeah, it works, yeah it works for me. He's a lot of fun. He's a lot of fun. Uh, not that I'm suggesting you've had trouble in that category. You're a young, handsome guy there, Eric Thank Garfield. You. Uh, tell me, tell our listeners that are either watching on Facebook Live or listening on PressBoxOnline.com, uh, tell us, this is your fourth or fifth season at Ed Smith? This is my fourth spring training season here at Ed Smith since I've uh, moved to Sarasota, and it gets more fun every time. I love coming back. It's... Uh, same cast of characters for the most part. Sarasota is a small town. It's uh, a lot more intimate for the fans and the diehards. You know, there's been people here for a couple weeks watching them practice. So I'm I'm really really very fortunate to have moved so close to the team I love. Yeah, I know you're a big Oriole fan. Now, it, do you at this point in time, this being your fourth season? Uh, do you have people that are regulars like myself that are from Baltimore but that have gotten to know you over the three years? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> I have snowballs. You know, they're coming to watch baseball, so I've got what what they need. There's uh, there's grape, there's root beer, there's uh, sky blue, so a lot of uh, adult baseball fans can can be kids again out in left field at, at Ed Smith. So, you know, that's, that's uh, again, that's really a great thing for somebody from Baltimore to be able to do. Now, you say down left field. Aren't you on the third baseline? I'm towards left field. You're towards left field. I got yes, you. Okay. in the concourse. You're Actually, in the concourse. Speaking of left field, Sam. I'm, saw, I'm, he's, uh, coming on after, he's coming on after you. We've got Boog. Is that Powell. right? Yeah, we've got Boog. What do you think of that? 
How do you think, <laughs> sir? How do you think this? You want me to just bring him the phone? I can walk the phone out to left field. <laughs> we could have done that, but we, he just called us about 10 minutes ago to make sure what time we were calling him. Um, how excited are you to uh, see the increase in the concessions there with, with, with Boot Pal being brought in? Very. Another Baltimore thing in our stadium makes it more Birdland South. And I can tell you, I've been here for a couple hours, and uh, the smell of the turkey and the pit beef cooking in the air has been out for a couple hours also. So I can't wait to try it. You know, I might not get to Camden Yards this year, but I can eat a pit turkey sandwich right now. Uh, that is uh, absolutely super. Now, one of the things I always get from you is a little bit of a scouting report, and we're talking with Eric Garfield who uh, owns Baltimore Snowball Company in Sarasota, Florida, and he's the snowball concessionaire at Ed Smith Stadium. So one of the, the, the things, reasons I have you on is to give me a little in- intel because uh, you've been out there getting the stand ready and you've watched some practice. Uh, can you give us any differences so far between Brandon Hyde and Buck Showalter? I'd be glad to. But first, I just want to say that I don't want – wanted to sound like I'm disparaging anyone who's, right. who's not here anymore because I love every, every team, every player, every manager. I'm not a second guesser. I'm just a fan. Right. The environment here has been way more relaxed. Things or players go from station to station uh, a little less rushed, a little less hurried. There's a lot more music, a lot more fun, a lot more playing. So I would say overall, it just looks a lot more laid back. Okay. More like a Little League practice than a Major League Baseball spring training. And, you know, just, just an, an, an air of pressures off. Okay. And that's, that's it's somewhat to be expected. When you, lose, when you lose 115 games and you don't make any major, major changes in the uptick of talent that we know is Major League ready – you know, you're looking at a team that if they had a good season, 60 or 65 wins would be astounding to me to, to have a 15-18 game turnaround. Uh, but but the, the fact of that, do you think there's some ageism in there that maybe Brandon Hyde is trying to relate to the younger players because he himself is younger? No, no doubt about that, and it's, it, that's another thing. The, the average age for the players participating in camp also gives it more of that Little League feel. Yep. They're just younger guys, so there's, there's several handfuls less veterans. So, yeah, and, and, and every coach, you can see that also. It's, it's very, very, very different, but when, when I say it's different, I just yeah. don't want it to sound like I'm criticizing what it was before because I, I no, love Buck. I, everybody loved Buck. There's no question about it. But look, uh, whether it's Stan the Fan on the radio, Eric Garfield selling <laughs> snowballs, or Buck Showalter <laughs> managing, we all meet our time where it's time to you know change or move on, whatever. Uh, and we're we're excited to see what this Brandon Hyde era is uh, about to bring. Give me one it, last thing in in the last two minutes we have or so. Uh, any other changes you can see at Ed Smith Stadium? I'll be down there for my first game on March. I'm getting to Sarasota the 6th, but I won't be at a game at Ed Smith until Friday the 8th. All right, well, thank you for telling me that. I'll have, uh, grape I'll have gallons of grape, grape ready for you. But there's there's one distinct thing other than, other than boobs and the smell of boobs. Down near first base, I guess it's the, towards the uh, – 
the exit where fans can go out out of the concourse towards right field. Right. I just saw when I was getting ice, they put in uh, speed pitch. Okay. So little kids will be able to see, or I guess big kids too, yep. will be able to see how fast and how not fast they can throw. That's very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I like it, and I like that. That's a good good baseball sound, that ball hitting the mat also. So, you know, every year they try to do a little bit something more for the fans. More people come. They talk about the uh, the contribution to Sarasota. So, again, I'm just I'm, I'm glad that I'm here, and every year it keeps getting a little bit better. All right. We'll continue to do the good work. And you actually, from your stand, you can smell Boog's Barbecue? Right now. I smell it right now. What are you having today? A pit? Uh... Well, if uh, if you were so kind to uh, to let the the man know that the snowball man will be coming soon, I would probably prefer the turkey. Okay, I got to tell you something, and I you're Jewish, right? <laughs> so am yes. I. So am I. Uh, his pit, <laughs> his pit, his pit pork is absolutely out of this world. Oh, I don't know, I don't know is, if you're like everything there is great. Everything's great. Turkey? I mean, I'm I'm a graduate from the. I'm a graduate from the brisket, you know, the the pit beef, uh, but I then went to Turkey, and now the pork is just extraordinary, absolutely. Well, maybe extraordinary. I'll have some of that too. I'll, I'll text you. You can get a, you can get a mix. You can get a mixed sandwich. Tell JW you're my friend down there. All right. All right. All right. We'll uh, talk to you soon, and thank you for coming on as always uh, for opening ben, day I, at Ed Smith Stadium. I'll see you when you get here. Okay. All right, bud. Thanks. Later. There you have it. Eric Garfield of Baltimore Snowball Company. Uh, I somehow I don't understand why I didn't call him till yesterday, you know. But it's like he knew exactly what I wanted, you know, uh, that I wanted to have him on because it's opening day. He knew but it was snowball time. He knew it was snowball time, but I don't understand why I didn't call him Monday. It was like all of a sudden it just hit me as the week went on that hey tomorrow's opening day, you know. So we had him on. Um, Eric Garfield. So two down, and we've got four more guests to go on the big show. Uh, coming up next is our friend Boog Pal, uh, who, uh, again, you just heard from Eric Garfield. You can smell the Boog's barbecue all the way down that, that funnel from left field into the third baseline of the interior of the stadium. Boog Pal going to join us. This is an amazing uh, that this has come about after all these years Boog's been doing the barbecue. Now, we know they're only they're at Sarasota. Probably this is like their eighth season at Sarasota, something like that. But this is Boog's first year being in the stadium selling the, the beef. And joining us now is the man, the myth, the legend, Boog Pal. Boog, how are you? Stan Lee, my favorite. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Before we talk about the great and exciting news, just want to touch base with you on uh, uh, how you took the news about Frank's passing. It was a sad day. Uh, I have the utmost respect and love for Frank. We had, I don't know how many years we have together. We had about six years together. Six years together. Six, six Six playing ball. And then I'm sure you knew him in other capacities. And then a couple more years in Cleveland, you know, playing for Frank. And, um, yeah, I had a great relationship with him. Uh, We never had a a crossword between each other. And I used to to just kind of worship and watch the way that he played the game and try to emulate that and – I guess I did somewhat. But. 
Were you? Were, Nobody played it like he did, though. Were you? Were you there on the bench and watching when he hit that ball off of Louis Tion out of the ballpark? Yes, I was. And did you sense it was out of the ballpark? Could you see? I mean, was the was the dugout in kind of disbelief? I don't know about the dugout. I I was on deck. Oh, that's right. You I were went, on deck. That's right. Yeah, I was. I was on deck, and I looked. And I said. Man, that thing's going out of here. <laughs> and I said, oh, my. And, you, you know, I've been there for, I don't how many years was I? I've been there six years. Yep. And I've never seen a ball hit out of there in batting practice or during the game. I did. I hit one and I think went out in batting practice, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I hit some that, that probably would have gone out, but I didn't hit them there. And um, it was... Uh, you know, it was just, it was kind of, he didn't really realize, you know, how monumental it was yep. until he got around the bases and he came in the dugout and, uh, <laughs> hey man, you realize you just hit the ball out of the ballpark? You know, it's, yep. it just counted as one though. Hey, when he hit, when he hit home run number 500, were you on deck or were you on the base paths? I was on first base. You were on first base. Was yep. that a pretty? Was that that had to be one of the highlights of your career? Oh, no doubt. And I can remember uh, standing at home plate waiting on him. Yep. Um, when he came around, and I remember taking my hat off and kind of bowing to him. You know. Hey, you well, know, that's a, that was a special. That was a special moment. Hey, one more question about Frank before we talk about the excitement with Boog's Barbecue opening down there in Sarasota today. Um, <laughs> The kangaroo court, uh, you know, it, it was always as a kid, I remembered how fun it sounded, but it was in a way, there was a meaning to it above and beyond the fun, wasn't there? Yeah, it uh, it, it kept everybody in the game a little bit more, I think. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I can think of a lot of little things that... that uh, like if you like if you weren't at the proper place, if you made a mental mistake right. on the field, it was brought out. Right. Uh, and if you know, like if you left a runner on third, you know, with less than two outs, cost you a dollar. You know, uh -huh. and it was just a little thing like that that brought to the front that emphasized how important it was to get that guy in. And it was only a dollar, but a dollar in that court, you know, and yeah. get everybody going. You know, and everybody just whop, and they, and then they would, <laughs> and and there was a lot of other little things too, and there were some, and there were some personal things brought into yep. it, uh, you know, people's clothing and stuff like that, and crazy <laughs> goofy stuff. Was and it some stuff? Some stuff we can't talk about. Was it Frank's idea? Did he come up with the idea? You know, or I. I wish I could answer that, but I can't. Okay. I, I don't remember how it how it came about. Yeah. All I know is we're sitting there one day, and and it could have been Mo Drabowski too. Mo right. was Mo was very active in that too. Right. And of course, Frank had the mop on his head and had the gavel and and you all guys you guys all paid attention to it when court was in was in session. Yeah, and and, and you know the. I tried to get it going when I was over in Cleveland right. and tried to get Pat Dobson was with me right? and we had both, you know, we had both been in it and we tried to get it over, going over there. 
No interest. No interest. No, no interest. interest. <laughs> Nobody even gave us about. <laughs> you know, we tried it a couple of days. Yeah. And they, that's know, funny. Rico Cardi and all those right. guys. They, 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 yeah, we ain't doing that's, that. That's that's not know. our thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hey, so. hey, speaking of your thing and our thing, uh, Boog's Barbecue. Tell us a little bit about how it came about. Well, it pretty much just came about after, uh, you know, my Miller Lite career is coming to an end. Yep. All of a sudden, I, you know, I had to do something else. And the only thing that I knew how to do, I couldn't hit anymore. Couldn't, <laughs> never could run. But um, I just, uh, I, I, I did a lot of barbecue. And I, I approached the Orioles about... <clears throat> about doing something over at uh, Memorial Stadium and we just couldn't find a place to do it. But I didn't and, ask I didn't ask my question right. We all know the history of Boog's barbecue. How about okay. how did it come about that you're doing this now in Sarasota after oh, okay. having died? Well, I'm sorry. Well, uh, the Orioles came to me and just you know, we we uh, reached an agreement and they said, "Do you want to do it?" and I said, you know, we tried to do it back in uh, 90, I think, whenever they remodeled the stadium yep. here. It's probably been nine and or we, ten years ago, yeah. Yeah, we tried to do it, and it just, I don't know, something happened that fell through. And it was still, it was always out there, though. And finally, I guess, just like I did on the other one, just kept beating on the door a little bit. Yep. John, John Angelus and everybody said, okay, let's put it together. So we've been working on it now for you know, probably six months, and it's all come to fruition. And my son JW is—he's going to be spearheading this whole thing down here, along with the uh, with Nick, who who runs the concession company here in Sarasota. And everything will be pretty basically the same as it is in Baltimore, um, and, at least just as good. And you're going to be you're going to be there for about eight of the games, seven or eight of the games. I, I think eleven. Okay, that's great. That's great. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be you know coming back and forth between my home and Key West. I'm gonna be here for today and tomorrow, and then I'm gonna go back because they go on the road three or four times and this next week, and then come back for Boston and, and the Yankees. I'll be I'll be there that weekend. By the way, look good, forward to seeing you, brother. Good friend of mine, a young handsome guy is gonna come up in the next hour or so. Eric Garfield, he runs the snowball company there called Baltimore Snowball Company. He's from okay. Baltimore. he's from Baltimore. Please take care of him. He's good people. You got it. All right. Um, I'll look for him. Now, you'll be back at the barbecue this year. You you working as oh, yeah. are you gonna be doing the same schedule you have, like seventy five games? No, uh, no, we've we've got a little more abbreviated schedule this year. I'm not going to do all the games. Okay, it's, it's it's not written in stone yet how many, but it'll probably be more like fifty or something like that. Yeah, it's getting into, it's getting it's getting harder for me. And, I know uh, that. I know that. I mean, I I love it. Yep. But you know, it's just it's getting tough. I know that. I know that. Is JW going to be up a little bit? Um, we're he'll, Annie's. Well, he'll, be, he'll be doing the place in Ocean City. Okay, gotcha. All right, Annie. Yeah. Will, Annie will run the ship just fine. All right, Annie's. And matter of fact, Annie's here with me. I just dropped her off. Tell her I said and hello. Been, Tell her I said hello, and that I'll see right. you guys. I'll see you guys like the. I think the eighth. I get in the sixth, okay. but I won't be at a game until Friday the eighth. All right. You'll be able. You'll be able to compare our meet. To the Baltimore meet. I'm I'm sure I'm going to love it. Hey, uh, 
Garfield told me, now his snowball stand, in case you like snowballs, is sort of along the third baseline inside the stadium, getting toward left field. He says he can smell the beef in there. Excellent. That sounds that's good. That's what we want. That's, that's what, what we, we want. want. All throughout the ballpark. Yeah, Boot. man, that's one, that's one of our tricks. Boog, continue the legacy. Uh, we're excited for you, and I'm excited uh, that this has come about. It's it's great to know you're appreciated as much as you are, and it's all well-deserved, Boog. Thank you, Stanley. All right. Talk to hey, you. Thank, love you for, thank you for all you do for me. I love you a lot. Thank you. All right, brother. All right. There you have it. Boog pal. All right. Now, we got to pay a couple bills. Got to tell you a little bit about our friends First of all, I was remiss. This is our first bat around. We're from the live casino and hotel studio. All right? We are. We're supposed to say that twice a day. And we want to thank our sponsors uh, to all the shows Green Turtle, Sliders, Chick fil A, Team Up for One, Baltimore Buffalo Wild Wings, Towson Sports Medicine, Glory Days Grill, U.S. Army, and so, so many more. But right now, I'm going to tell you about Big Bats. Let's talk about Ken Island's original sports bar. 216 St. Clair Place, Stevensville, Maryland. On the way down or back to and from the Eastern Shore, there's no place better to stop, relax, and eat. It's a great place to watch the O's, Nats, Wizards, Caps, and, uh, of course, NCAA lacrosse, NCAA basketball. And you can sample the best bar grub around, whether it's sandwiches, salads, soups, or subs. It's all there for you. At Big Bats. Where is it located? 216 St. Clair Place, Stevensville, Maryland. If you're on your way down to the shore, right after the Bay Bridge, first exit after the bridge is Stevensville. Come up to the stop sign or the light. I can't remember which it is. Make the left, and it's about a quarter mile down on the right-hand side. Tell them Stan the Fan sent you. That's Big Bats, where you can sit on a base. Experience the thrill of pulse-pounding thoroughbred racing at the Maryland Jockey Club at Laurel Park. Watch world-class racing live or follow coast-to-coast sports on massive LED screens. Don't miss a minute of the action. Join us for live racing Thursday through Sunday. You'll be glad you did. Post time, 1230 p.m. One-third of crash fatalities in Maryland are due to impaired driving. Don't be a statistic. Be legendary. What does it mean to be legendary? It means always making a plan to choose a sober driver or be one. Never drinking, then getting behind the wheel. Making sure to get a ride for yourself and your friends if needed. Always speaking up and taking the keys from an impaired driver. Remember, sober drivers save lives. This safety message is brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation. Visit BeLegendaryMD.com. What a sweet time to see our friend Steve at his Chick-fil-A restaurant in Nottingham Square. The chocolate milkshakes are the way they should be at Chick-fil-A, thick and chocolatey. But so is the peppermint chocolate chip milkshake, thick, chocolatey, and pepperminty. The strawberry milkshake is thick and very strawberry-y like it's supposed to be. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square also has frosted coffee and ice-cold vanilla shakes. Plus, there's a cookies and cream milkshake. Cookies and cream! The Chick-fil-A sandwich is the best. The waffle fries are amazing. And at Steve's Chick-fil-A in Nottingham Square, his folks come around to check on you if you dine in. They refilled my drink for nothing the last time I was there. Do not leave hungry. Top off your next meal at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square with something sweet. Shakes, cones, and cookies. All done the way you'd expect from Chick-fil-A perfectly. Join Chick-fil-A 1 and score points every time you order for free stuff. Our Chick-fil-A is on Campbell Boulevard in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. 
Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we offer one more salute to Joe Flacco as his tenure in Baltimore comes to a close. Prominent media members and public figures, including Mayor Catherine Pugh, share their thoughts on what Flacco has meant to the city. Also inside, you'll find our annual comprehensive college lacrosse preview. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Turks at PressBoxOnline.com. Score big at the Green Turtle with our legendary crab dip, juicy burgers, or any of our delicious boardwalk iced teas and lemonades. Bring the whole team and celebrate your latest win in our rent-free party room. Need to raise money for your sports league or team? Our Funds for Friends program has raised over $1 million for local sports organizations. Everyone is a winner at the Turtle. Visit TheGreenTurtle.com to find your local turtle. This is former Turf AJ Francis, just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo, Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled Uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy Y2AJ here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. And we are back with the battle round on this Saturday, the 23rd of February. Stan the Fan here flying solo. Craig Heist is uh, doing Nats talk on Masson Sports uh, right now. Joining me now is someone who I didn't mean to impose upon on in back-to-back weeks. He's my friend and um, New Hampshire Union leader columnist uh, Mike Shallon. He also uh, is the official scorer at Fenway Park, one of two official scorers at Fenway Park, and used to write for the Boston Herald where he was a longtime competitor of the late Nick Cafardo. Mike, thank you for coming on. Sorry it had to be under these circumstances. Yeah, it's a um, it's a tough time, you know. Um, uh, Nicky and I were uh, were competitors for for a long time, really from the mid '80s right through the mid '90s, and um, never anything but friendship. You know, Nick was uh, Nick was not the kind of guy to backstab anybody. He wasn't the kind of guy to to talk down anybody he worked with or talk himself up, really. Um, just a real good guy, you know. The, the, the thing is, we—I I think the the ultimate thing that we live for um, in life is something we can't even appreciate, and that is people saying nice things about you after you go. Yeah, um, yeah. Because obviously, they're not going to say things like that while you're alive, because it sounds like a eulogy. But yeah. There's nobody who will have a bad thing to say about Mick Cafardo. It's 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 as simple as it gets. Let me ask you a, a crazy question. It's just on me. When I was a, probably in my late teens and early 20s, 
before I got into the media, I didn't really get into the media more as a fluke till I was about 30. But I used to read Peter Gammon's column, Sunday column, religiously. I mean, I would buy the Globe to find it. Back then, you couldn't, there was no internet. It, it was Nick's column sort of, did, when Peter left for TV, did, did Nick's Sunday column take over for Peter's? I don't think it was quite that quick. Okay. Um, I'm thinking, for some reason, I'm thinking Sean, if he did it for a while. Okay. Um, and then it again, just could, and it just evolved into Nick's hands? Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, Nick, Nick left the beat for a couple of years, I want to say early 90s, to do the Patriots. Yeah. And then he, uh, then he came back and... Um, but I think I think Dan did it, and it might have been there might have been somebody else. But um, it's certainly you know there's a whole generation of people now who don't know that Peter used to do it. Yeah, you know? yeah and, no um, question about that. Yeah, and Nick Nick had uh, had great um, um, contacts. Um, he protected his sources well. Yep, uh, he, he talked to a lot of scouts, and um, you know he loved what he did. Yeah, you know, I was. I was on with uh, Ed Randall and uh, Kevin Kennedy this morning on on um, XM Radio, and, and I, you know, I, I talked about some of the human things. You know, like when you lose somebody like this, it's it's a member of your of your um, quasi family, if yep. you will. You yep. know, uh, the people like when we lost Carl Bean a few years back, mm -hmm. our, our PA announcer, who everybody loved. You know, you, all of a sudden you get to work, and and, he, and the person's not there. And you, you imagine hearing his voice. Uh, uh, Dick Kelly, the sports information director at Boston College, you know, who we lost a few years back. Uh, it just it never it never goes away. But then you think of the fun things. And I was talking to Bill Ballou on uh, through email this morning, and and um, there was a big controversy through the years. And Bill and Bill and Nick were always were always going at it. In a, in a friendly, right, way. right, and, and the big, the big thing, the big thing between them was one of them liked brown mustard and the other one liked yellow mustard, <laughs> and, and you know this is the kind of stuff. I mean, you know, you, you talk to Jim Henneman sometime who's been around a press room sure. for fifty years. That's the kind of stuff you talk about. You yep. can't talk about the game twenty four seven, so you talk about who likes what mustard and uh, that kind of stuff that you can never. That you can never recreate. You can, you know, you just, you just miss it. And the you know, Red Sox open with eleven games on the road, so it's going to delay it even more. But it's just going to be very, very strange on opening day. Now I'm just curious. We are a quasi family. The people that are in the press box day in and day out during the course of a season, and I, I can't tell you. I do know Peter Schmuck's wife. Uh, did not know Henneman's wife when she was alive. But I mean, did you know Nick's? Family? Do you know his son Ben at all? Or I knew Nick's. I knew Nick's family when they were younger. Right. Um, I did not know Ben as a professional, other than you know to be friends on Twitter or whatever. Uh, ben was a little kid because we met. Yeah, I remember now when my kids were little, his kids were little. Right. And and so we'd be in spring training together and stuff like that. But um, I didn't know his his children. I knew his. I I. I know his wife Leanne, but I haven't seen her in you know twenty five years. Right. I'm sure that you know we'll renew acquaintances again. Unfortunately, this week. Yep. But yep. Um, that's the kind of that's the way the business is. You yep. know that's 
your, your family is at the ballpark, you know, and, and when I was doing the sports exchange stuff and I was doing all, all four sports, yep. I had four different families. Mm-hmm. And you can, you, you can remember, and you, you know, when you stepped into a Celtics game, what, what members of the family would be there that day at the Bruins game. And, and, um, you know, we basically, um, I'll be honest with you. I, I kept my life separate, uh, always for one reason. And I, I don't like most sports writers. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and Nick does not, Nick doesn't fall into that category. Yeah. You know, uh, the, 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 the egomania. I mean, listen, we're in a productive business. Right. You know, you, we have to, it's like what people used to say, Wade Boggs was a selfish baseball player. Well, he was in a selfish profession. Well, being selfish was a large part of who he was. There's a lot of that in our industry, and and uh, but Nick Nick didn't have any of that. He was the same unassuming guy. He just he had less hair. Um, <laughs> he did more TV. I, I, I thought he got much more relaxed on television yeah. as the years went on, and actually enjoyed it. Um, and he listen. He 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 died at the uh, at a ballpark on a, on his off day. Yep. Something told him to go to the ballpark that day. And and the, the only fighting chance he had, I guess, was because the Red Sox medical personnel was on site doing physicals. Yep. Um, you know, had he ha- had it happened in his in his condo in Florida, then that, that would yeah, me, that would have been very very much more sad. Yeah, he uh, died doing he what been, he he died doing what his purpose was. You know, that's it. Yeah, that's it. He was where he wanted to be. Hey, not to make it mundane, uh, but you know, uh, Peter Gammons, for example, did a, did his whole career in Boston, and he was a New England guy. Uh, but he did it with the Red Sox being a fairly crappy team for a large part of that. Um, Nick Cafardo got to got to be there when the Red Sox really became the thing in baseball. Did that mean something special to him? I think it did. First of all, we we all we all love um, writing about a winner. Yeah. You know, as much as as much as you know, people say, "Well, you're always looking at the negative and all that stuff," and we we always kidding around about that. But he um, he was the the lead writer um, on a team that won four championships in fifteen years, and um, you know he was the guy. And I think that. Um, Unfortunately, his ultimate reward is going to be um, posthumous. I think he'll win the Spink Award. I would hope it would be this next one coming up. Yeah, um, there were guys that had to go before him, well-deserving people. Mm-hmm. Um, not only guys, but Claire Smith and Jason Stock this year, and you know, but Nicky had been doing it for, uh, except for his time in the Patriots, he'd been doing it for thirty-five years, and and uh, I think it meant something to him to cover a winner. Sure, it did. Yeah. We're talking with Mike Shallon, who writes now for the New Hampshire Union Leader, and uh, he uh, covered the Red Sox for a good while with all the Boston teams, with both the Sports Exchange and the Boston Herald. He's also one of the official scorers at Fenway Park, and we're talking about the the untimely passing of uh, Nick Cafardo, although we both said that the timing in a, in an ironic way uh couldn't have been better, you know, because uh, he died doing what he loved. Um, you know, one of the things about us living in this age of, um, you know, uh, with social media, you know, I texted you 
as soon as I heard the news, you were the first person I texted, and I figured you were, the first, you were the first person I heard it from. Yeah, and you go, what? And th- how quickly social media responds, it was almost overwhelming to read the, the instant take that all uh, his friends had on it. It was really quite remarkable to do that. It really was. It was, um, you know, heartwarming is probably a cliche, but, um, you know, that's the way, that's the effect that Nikki had on people. You know, I mean, there, there's, you know, I don't, if you, if you didn't hear from somebody, I would think it was because he did have a, a problem with somebody, but I, for the life of me, can't imagine who it would be. Um, the scouts loved him. Uh, the, the team obviously respected him. Uh, he was harsh when he had to be. Uh, he was fair. Uh, the team yesterday put roses at his yep. feet in the press box, and yep. I think they're going to do something else to, uh, to commemorate his passing, Some probably when the season starts. Um, you know, it. it um, I, you know, I guess I would call Nick a throwback. Yeah. You know, um, he. We, you know, we had a lot of uh, we had a lot of fun together. Um, talked to, you know, you can make Nick laugh. It was easy to make him laugh, and he had a uh, he had kind of a shy way about him. And and um, you know we used to when, when we were head to head, we used to we used to go at it for you know talking to Luke because when Luke Gorman was here, sure he uh, he, um, he you know unlike Dan Duquette, Luke spoke to the media almost every day in the winter. Yeah, he was the anti we Dan. He was the anti Dan. Exactly. <laughs> Dan changed the rules when he got here. It's yeah. funny, Dan's a much nicer guy now. Yes, but, he uh, is. Uh, I tell him that, too. So, uh, But with, with, uh, with, with Lou, Lou had a, um, a problem with a sleep disorder and would actually nod off at his desk later in the day. And so we would, we would be trying to reach him, and the first one to reach him, you know, we thought we, we, we got this really good story, but you had a you had a sweat the next morning because if the next person reached him and caught him in mid-nap, if you will, he might have told the other guy something totally different. And so we used to have a lot of fun with that. And this is back in the day before uh, cell phones, too. So, um, you know, you, you had to reach him, you know, on your home phone. I was doing a radio show at the time, so it'd be like a 45-minute black hole driving to the studio. And this is, a, you know, this, I hate to sound like the good old days, but yeah. um, it was so different. <clears throat> You know, I give these guys, guys and, and girls, uh, guys and men and women, credit now for for being on the on the beat the way they are now because it's twenty four seven with the social media stuff. It un- it's and, it's uh, unstoppable. It never stops. It's never unbelievable. Stops. Yeah, and and we you know we had it we had it rough because we were at we were right at the at the start really of it becoming a twelve month a year beat. The baseball writer used to disappear in the winter, mm-hmm. and you know go to the winter meetings or whatever, and that was it. Uh, but then it became a 12-month-out-of-the-year thing, and we actually wound up taking time off during the season as opposed to the offseason. But, uh, you know, Nick adapted to, to that. He adapted to, um, you know, to the, to the new social media thing. And, um, you know, he never got beat on a story. He was very good at what he did. And if he got beat on a story, he, you know, shrugged his shoulders and went on to the next one. Any, any, has anybody in New England heard or ta- reached out to Dan? Duquette to talk to him. I know the two of them were very good friends. 
No, I actually, ironically, um, I actually sent a text to Dan the other day because he was he was on uh, MLB radio. Right. Um, uh, what, I forget now what the topic is. It's been such a busy week. Yeah. Um, he was talking about, well, he was on with, with uh, Jim Duquette. Okay. And and they introduced him as the former general manager of the uh of the um Red, Red Sox Orioles. Mm-hmm. So I sent I sent Dan a note saying how come they keep leaving out the Xbox? <laughs> and Dan just Dan just wrote, uh, tweeted me back saying uh, uh, texted me back saying, Well, I guess they figure only only the teams that are still active. Right. You know, what they <laughs> what they're talking about. But um no, I haven't. I haven't reached out to Dan. At some point, I probably will. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, but every everybody, you know, Alex Corey yesterday. He went he, on. He went on and on, almost like he didn't yeah. want to end talking about him. Yeah, seven and a half minutes, and yeah. and just talking about Nick, and and that's the kind of, you know, if you're going to go, there's nothing, there's yeah. nothing better than have people saying really nice things about you. Yeah. You know, and there's no. There's no cloud, you know, there's no, well, he did this, but it's okay because he did this. this, Right, right. There's nothing. There's nothing negative. There's no skeletons, if you will. There's no equivocating. No equivocating no. about Nick Cofardo. Hey, one last question for you. I know you don't. Uh, you got more important things to do than run the Boston Globe. How will the Globe fill that hole both this Sunday and Sundays from here on in? Well, do you I'll think you Shaughnessy pops back in for a little bit? or No, I said, well, they do have Alex Spear, who, okay. who does a 108 stitches column. Yep. Um, I think Alex could do it. I think Pete Abraham could do it. I mean, these guys are pros. Yep. You know? What I would like, what I would honestly like to see is a blank page tomorrow. Yep. And I don't know if that's going to be the case. I'd like to see a blank page with an in-memoriam of some sort. Yep. Uh, I don't know if you can, you know. Uh, financially, you can you can you can do that. Yeah. Although we know John Henry has a ton of money, so I don't think that would be a problem. Yeah. That that um, picture that picture of his that, that picture of his seat with the rose on it would be yeah. r- remarkable. Yeah. 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 That would be you know uh, that would be fitting because Nick's column is usually available right around now. Yep. Because uh, I know Johnny Miller always always sends it to me an email on Saturday. And, um, and he must be broke. Know, he must be pretty broken up about this. Yeah. Well, you know, he was called. He was there, and yeah. and Johnny, having gone through what he just went through, yep. um, you know, realizes that my my goodness, how 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 fragile it is. Yep. You know, and, and the thing is, Nick died of something that, as far as I can tell, he could have had a he could have had a physical that morning and yep. not been, and not been detected. That's yep. what these embolisms are. You know, and. Yep. and uh, you know, you, you hear different you hear different stories about how he might have been awake when he went into the ambulance. Yeah, and um, you know, but regardless, it was fairly quick, and and um, yeah, I'm stunned. And yeah, I, I, can't I, even, I can tell you. I can't are. even imagine can tell you. what what it's going to be like on open you know on opening day. Assembly. I just I don't know what we're going to do. I don't even know if I'm going to be there because I don't know if I'm scoring the opening game or not. But yeah. if I'm not, and there's some sort of tribute, I'll be there. Maybe uh, his wife will throw out the first pitch. Who knows? Yeah, Who knows? No, or son, Ben. I would yep. pick his son. All his right. son works for ESPN, and he's got quite an established career of his own. Mike, thank you very much for uh, taking the time out. I always appreciate it, but I know this was a tough one, and I appreciate your coming on with us. Any time, maybe under happier circumstances. Yes, of course. All right. Thank you. There's Mike Shallon, and uh, – uh, 
become good friends, ironically, through this show. Uh, he's always been there whenever I ask him, and uh, terrific, terrific guy. Uh, talking about the late Nick Cafardo, who passed away suddenly uh, on Thursday at the age of 62 years of age. All right. Is that the right language to say that? He passed away at the age of 62 years of age. He passed away at 62. Um, going to be uh, odd to be around the Red Sox. And uh, I was a pretty much a weekly reader of his column uh, and really enjoyed it. Always look forward to the read. At one time, uh, back when I thought a dollar a week or a dollar and a quarter a week or something was insignificant, I um, I tried to uh, uh, I bought the Boston Globe subscription until I realized I said wait a minute I'm paying like fifty some dollars and uh, so you get you get I think four columns a month free so I would use all my free stuff up uh, picking up uh, Cafardo's column uh, on Sunday mornings but uh, won't be there anymore uh, we're gonna make our connections uh, momentarily with Greg Olson. And then we will also chat uh, an interview I did uh, two days ago on Thursday afternoon with Steve Molesky. We'll talk to Steve about this uh, new information, that uh, digital broadcast of Orioles preseason games, exhibition games, will be available at Orioles.com. Again, if you're watching our show, uh, The Bat Around, on Facebook Live by going to Facebook uh, dot com slash press box sports we ask you to both like the show and share the show and what did i tell i told Brittany before we grab our our friend greg olson i said we had five shares in the first we had five shares in the first 15 to 20 minutes of the show and i'm best guessing it's six now still six so please if you're watching uh, or listening like the show and share the show joining us right now is someone uh, we liked to watch an awful lot back in 1989 and into the 90s with the Baltimore Orioles. We like to watch them come in and save baseball games. Uh, that is the otter, Greg Olson. Greg, how are you, my friend? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We just uh, had a, a little bit of a sad segment. Uh, I'm not sure if you knew. Did you know Nick Cafardo at all, the Boston Globe writer who passed I away? No, I don't think I did. Yeah, he was a pretty sensational uh, baseball writer, and his column was uh, a staple for people in the industry and the uh, out, outpouring of love and affection for him. He died uh, on his day off, but he was he showed up at the ballpark anyway at Fort Myers. He covered the Red Sox and wrote national baseball as well, but uh, unfortunately passed away of uh, brain embolism. Oh wow! Yeah, that's an oh wow, and that's what everybody is saying because he he was a an institution up there in Boston. Anyway, on to uh, semi happier things. Your thoughts and recollections of one Frank Robinson, who am I right? Frank was the first manager you pitched for in the big leagues, right? Yes, he was. Yeah, Frank was. Uh, and Frank was. Uh, uh, I want to say piece of work. He was just. <laughs> You know, he had um, he had a bunch of different layers, and you know, the initial layer is this gruff and hard-edged man. And you know, the more you got to know him, the more you're around him. He was he was awesome. Um, 
you know, caring, compassionate. Just it took a little while to to get to you know to get see th- that side to get through that armor that he had up and protecting himself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what kind of manager was he? In other words, when it came to sort of the X's and the O's, or was he more just sort of a a, a player's manager that players liked to play for him? You know, I, I, I don't know if I could call him a, a player's manager. You know, he was polarizing. He, you loved him or you hated him. He... Um, I don't think he ever grasped how hard the game is uh-huh. because it, it wasn't that hard for him. Right. And um, so, you know, some guys struggled underneath him that, that, you know, weren't great players because he, he was, you know, he was, his, he was hard on them. His standards were so high. You know, they say that, uh, they say that a lot about managers that the great players really find it hard because their players aren't automatically as great as them, you know? Yeah. And you know, that I think there's a little bit of that to, um, some of the average or below average role guys just, you know, couldn't handle him. So, you know, there, there was that side of it. I don't, you know, I don't know how great of an X's and O's guy he was. He was, you know, he just, had gut instincts and, and made decisions that, you know, at the initial look weren't, you know, the greatest, uh, the greatest decision, but, you know, now, for now, a while, now refresh- for a while, they all work. They worked. And I mean, you don't, you don't manage that long if you're not a good X's and O guy. Now refresh my memory. And we're talking to Greg Olson, former Orioles closer. Uh, you, you came out, you were drafted in, in the 88 draft or the 89 draft? I was in 88. You were in 88, but your first season up, was it late in 88 did you come up? Yeah, I came up for that terrible 88 team. Okay. You came up, but like mid-season, you were one of the shining rays of hope, weren't you? I came up uh, September 1st, and uh, I don't know if I was a shining ray of hope. I don't, you know. Well, I wasn't... (laughs) Well, you certainly had a lot to do with the turnaround in the why not season. How did I, and I forget this, I was on the radio back then, but did Frank use you as a closer that, right away in that September to take a look at you in that role, or did he wait until 89? Um, no, I didn't, I didn't get a, uh, uh, you know what? I got, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't closing games. We had Tom Needenfuhr, so, you okay. know. He was much more experienced. He just didn't get any opportunities that year. Right. I was seventh, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. You okay. know, we were trying to sort things out, and I didn't get. Uh, I said I didn't get a ninth inning uh, closing opportunity until you know late April, my my rookie year. And then once Frank had the confidence in you, and I guess his pitching coach was Al Jackson. Um, it was just they gave you the ball and you ran with it, right? Yeah, you know what? They, they, they protected me from some games that were going to be difficult. Um, were going to be difficult situations. You know, they, they, they kept me out of a couple games that, you know, still should have been mine. Um, but, you know, I 
they they started for the most part started me with clean innings you know whether it be the eighth eighth and ninth or you know very rarely was I in in the seventh in any sort of mess I don't I don't remember coming into a whole lot of jams I think they did a really good job of you know giving me clean innings and letting me make my own mess. We're talking with Greg Olson, former Orioles closer, now part of the Orioles broadcast team. And, Greg, you and I talked the other day when I booked you to be on. You've got a, a few more games this year. You're up to about 25? Yeah, about 25, a couple, couple in the spring, and then, uh, um, you know, maybe a series or two series a month over the, uh, you know, over the length of the season. Is the broadcast thing something you'd like to, to do now? Yeah, I uh, you know I really enjoy it. It's I I love baseball and I, I miss miss being around. And uh, this this you know affords me the opportunity to be around and and uh, you know also spend time on you know something that I love doing. Now I know you're doing 25 Oriole games. Are you also trying to go down that path that Ben is going down? Are you trying to get into doing some ESPN baseball and be on a part of that that picture? Yes. Yeah, I uh, kind of doing some of the back uh, back internet SEC baseball games for Auburn University, and hoping that leads into you know what Ben ultimately is doing, which is you know. Part-time SEC, part-time Orioles. Yep. um, You know, he's set a nice job of, you know, how it can be done, and and I'm hoping to follow his lead. That would be a nice nice picture. Now, are you going to be doing color, or are you going to be attempting to do some play-by-play? Strictly color right now. I was hoping to get, you know, I've been practicing and working with the Auburn radio network down here on some games that I'm not doing TV. I'll jump on the radio. and I think that's great. I think that's great. I'm hope, yeah. Well, I'm hoping to get some uh, play-by-play stuff. It's, but. it's been very interesting uh, as a Oriole fan to have guys from that generation now popping up in our radio broadcast, and I think you guys, both you and Ben, add a lot to the broadcast. I really do. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Hey, um, Closing games in the big leagues, is the pressure there whether you're pitching for a 47-win team like the Orioles or a 95-win team like the Astros, is it the same or is there more pressure? In other words, is it harder to do in some regards pitching for a, a, a lowly team where the pressure isn't there but maybe the adrenaline doesn't quite flow as it would if you're on the Astros or the Red Sox? You know what? I think uh, I was asked this when my, you know, two years in Arizona because we went, you know, lost 100 games, won 100 games, and was asked that exact same question. And to be honest with you, you know what? I felt the responsibility both, you know, I felt the, the same responsibility to my team, the same stress. Yep. Um, uh, either way, losing a hundred or winning a hundred, because you know you you lose a hundred games, you you know that if you screw up a game in the ninth inning, you might set your team back for a week. Mm-hmm. 
And just because of the demoralization of, hey, we're finally winning and we couldn't pull it off and here we go again. Yeah. And then the other side of it is you have the stress of, you know, winning 100 games and, you know, in a playoff race and every game matters, that stress. So, I, you know, I, I really I couldn't, I couldn't tell a difference between the two. Um, and it didn't change the way I went about things and didn't change, you know, how hard I took screwing up a game and, and didn't change the high at the end of a save. So I don't I don't think there's really a good answer. So, so of know. the of the managers you pitch for, and I'm thinking right offhand. I know you pitch for Showalter in Arizona, and you pitch for Frank, and you pitch for Otsi. Um, and who else did you pitch for? I had Bobby Cox in Atlanta, uh, Mike Hargrove in Cleveland, Spark- had- Sparky in Detroit. I had Buddy Bell in Detroit. Buddy Bell in Detroit in a rough season, yeah. So my question um, is, who was the best? Who was the best at sort of handling you and doing the right things to protect you? Because my God, that the wear and tear on relief pitchers—I don't think people appreciate it enough, Greg. I don't think they. I don't think they take care of the guys now. You know, I think there's a lot more of a. Uh, Bring them up, use them while we got them. And, you know, if they flame out, they flame out. You know, I've listened to a couple organizations yeah. talk about talk about a couple of uh, mechanically challenged, very gifted arms that are coming through the minor leagues. And, you know, they're like, you know what, I, I think we rush them up here, get them to the big leagues, have him for a year, year and a half, and he's going to blow out. And, and then we'll have somebody new. And then we'll move on. Yeah. And I'm just sitting in the I'm just sitting in the room going, "You guys are sick." Yeah. Um, Buck Showalter didn't seem to be that way. He, he seemed no. to, He seemed to genuinely care about. Now we can debate whether he cared about it because it meant he could win games, but he seemed to really line up his his usage a little bit on the softer side than some people. Well, he really, yeah, we, we we had talked about it last year when, you know, I was back around a little bit on a regular basis. Right. And he had talked about how he uh, had not gotten anybody, um, I'm trying to think of a kinder phrase, I have one that doesn't sound very good over the radio, <laughs> but uh, getting warmed up, getting warmed up without getting in the game, there's a phrase in baseball that wouldn't quite be appropriate. I got you, I understand. But he said... No, he said he had gone the whole year without having somebody warm up and not get them in the game. That's pretty, is a, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, and he was, you know, and he tells me the story about Steve Howe, who he had in New York in the mid-'90s, how, you know, he was staying in a room above him in one of the hotels on the road and how he was flipping out one night because he got warmed up and then didn't get in. Right. And I was like, you know, never got to that point where the, the my adrenaline didn't kick until I got in and started my eight warm-up pitches. But, um, you know, for me, it's just no nobody, unless, unless you do it, nobody understands the wear. It's wearing me down. So yep. I can get up and I can get hot and you don't get me in the game. I just threw a bullpen. 
Mm-hmm. And there's a reason there's a reason why starters don't throw a bullpen the night before they pitch. Right. Because it wears them down, but these guys just think, you know, I'll get so and so and so and so up and oh, you know what, they only threw for eight minutes, they're fine. Yeah, not really. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. Hey, when's the, uh, when do you know your schedule? I'm not saying the exact date, but are we going to hear you uh, uh, like Ben, like sort of after the college season, or you or you have some games filtered in early? I um, I have a series at the end of April. Might be uh, probably Chicago, Minnesota. I'm not quite sure. All right, um, but we'll hear you in April sometime. Yeah, right at the end of April, 1st of May, I'm on uh, those six games and then spread throughout the, the season. Hey, last question I've got for you. The sudden surprising news. We, we knew it was coming, but we thought we had one more year of Joe Angel. Uh, how did he make it uh, for you in the broadcast booth? He was amazing. Really um, was amazing You know, for me being a rookie walking into the radio booth. He uh, he made it so easy. He made it conversational, you know. And I didn't feel like I had you know had to fight to say what needed to be said. Right. He he gave me space, and he would. It was having a conversation for three and a half hours in the radio booth. Yep. You know where he's looking at me and asking me questions, and we're dialoguing. And, you know, having done just a little bit of radio with other people, it hasn't been that comfortable, yeah. you know, where I'm kind of fighting for my space and fighting for, you know, I'm trying to explain this play because it was a really bizarre, whatever, baseball play, and I can't get a word in. I, just, I, uh, well, that's kind of what I'm here for is I'm here to explain what just happened. and so Or you, have, cer- or you have certain broadcasters that ask you questions and answer them before they give it to you. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I really, I, I, I've been so limited in my, my radio time that, yeah. you know, Joe Angel was amazing. It really, I, I was sad that, you know, I was sad to see him go because I was looking forward to. To working with him getting, again. Yep. Well, getting more experience from just being with him. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, we'll look forward to listening to you and we'll grab you a couple times during the season if that's okay, Greg. Absolutely. All right. Thank you very much, and uh, keep up the good work, all right? All right. Have a all great right. day. Thank you. Take all care. right. Greg Olson, Oli, getting used to doing it. All right. want to remind you that you're listening to the Bat Around from the Live Casino Hotel Studio, and uh, that's something new of late, and we're really happy and excited and proud to have Live Casino and Hotel sponsor our studio and we've got to mention that a couple times an hour, and we're happy to do so. And I'll become more conversational with it. Um, anyway, uh, got to tell you, though, about the Costas Inn, located 4100 North Point Boulevard. Uh, Monday night is rib night. Tuesday night is crab cake night. Wednesday night is steak night, my favorite night. Thursday night is my wife's favorite, which is lobster night. Then Friday Petri and Tafalos has a whole host of miscellaneous and varied specialties from seafood, poultry, and beef. Uh, but what, what I like about the Costas Inn, no matter which waitress or waiter you get, you get somebody that's going to make you treat you like it's family. 
All right? And that's what the Costas Inn is. The Triantophilus family, from dad, Costas, and mom, to Pete and Nick, to the sister, they're all there all the time. Uh, they really care about the product they're putting out. And by product, I'm not just talking about the food. I'm talking the product they put out from the minute you enter the door to the minute you leave the door. They do it first rate all the time. Great place, the Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. Don't forget, a great place to buy somebody a gift card for a graduation coming up, um, an anniversary, a birthday, whatever. Uh, what uh, Somebody graduates college. Did I say graduation? I did say that already. Well, anyway, Costas in 410-477-1975, and you can do that right over the phone. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. One third of crash fatalities in Maryland are due to impaired driving. Don't be a statistic. Be legendary. What does it mean to be legendary? It means always making a plan to choose a sober driver or be one. Never drinking, then getting behind the wheel. Making sure to get a ride for yourself and your friends if needed. Always speaking up and taking the keys from an impaired driver. Remember, sober drivers save lives. This safety message is brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation. Visit BeLegendaryMD.com. Experience the thrill of pulse-pounding thoroughbred racing at the Maryland Jockey Club at Laurel Park. Watch world-class racing live or follow coast-to-coast sports on massive LED screens. Don't miss a minute of the action. Join us for live racing Thursday through Sunday. You'll be glad you did. Post-time, 1230 p.m. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KO from the Pressbox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to PressBoxOnline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer. The, the other type of football. No. No, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, not really. Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no, football. Just NFL football. football. College, College football. College football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer here from Glenn Clark Radio. Kyle, you know, I'm regularly asked by folks about how we get so many great guests on our show. Well, I, I work really hard to get some of the biggest names on with us. I know you do, and the world recognizes it, but I want to challenge you to try to get some even bigger guests on the show moving forward. Okay, who do you have in mind? Well, nothing crazy. Like, what about Tim Tebow? Oh. Or, or how about Leonardo DiCaprio or, or Lady Gaga, maybe Barack Obama? Uh, you know what? I'll settle for Wilt Chamberlain. Glenn, I think he died. What? Yeah, like 20 years ago. So that's a maybe? 
Maybe Jabba Chamberlain. Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. No one wants to talk to Jabba Chamberlain. If trying something new was a bad idea, many of us would still be wearing polyester. This message is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. You may know us for our great burgers and wings, but Glory Days Pros. Mix it up with the fresh cedar plank salmon, cut in-house and grilled to perfection. Or sizzling and juicy steaks, meaty ribs, we have handcrafted salads and sandwiches by our talented chefs. Change tastes good, we promise. Experience the Glory Days Grill menu in all its glory. Glory Days Grill, great food. Good sports. All right, we are back on the bat around live from the live casino hotel studio. And uh, we will be here every Saturday morning. I will be here next Saturday. Sans and Sans, S A N S, is the word for without. Sans Craig Heist again. Notice how much smoother the show runs. Less tension. I you know? know. It's been pretty nice. Yeah. And we had breakfast together. Right. We're going out for lunch together. Perfect. It's perfect. Craig, Craig's yep. definitely jealous. Yeah. Oh, God, is he ever jealous. It's unbelievable. Uh, but anyway, uh, all the shows now, Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday, and uh, the Bat Around on Saturdays, as well as the Fantasy and Reality Football Show are all broadcast from the live casino hotel studio. All right. Uh, and we hope in the uh, months ahead that be adding some more podcasting to our menu here at PressBoxOnline.com. Again, my third time today. It's amazing. I said to Brittany, we had we had six, five shares in the first 15 minutes of the show. And I said, what did I say, Britt? I said, somehow at the end of it, even if I push it a little bit, we won't get more than six or seven. Yeah. And where are we right now? Seven. Six. Oh, seven. Seven. Okay. seven. Good. We got one more. Came in. It's amazing. So all it takes, we'll, we'll have 400 people, 500 people watch this show, parts of the show. And we're only able to get like five of six likes, six shares. It's time. It's time to step up, people. Like us and share us, all right? Because we are from the live casino hotel studio. All right, we're going to be playing an interview in a few minutes, uh, Steve Molesky, but I just wanted to plug a couple things that I've got going on. You know we discontinued uh, Inside Press Box, the TV show, after 518 weekly episodes of that show. Um, and I probably did about, I'm guessing about 505 of them, okay? I'm guessing over 10 years, if I missed more than one show a year, uh, you know, 1.1 show a year, it would have been a lot. But uh, part of what uh, we'll be doing is hopefully doing some more podcasting uh, here from the live Casino Hotel studio. Also, I'll be doing my post-game after bird-watching show on occasion. And um, also, I'll be doing my both my written and my video uh, of the MLB power rankings. And I thought I'd remind folks how we ended up last season. And that was, this was our final, our final. We had Boston number one, Houston number two, the Cubs number three, Cleveland number four, and the Dodgers number five. 
Yankees number six, Oakland number seven, Atlanta number eight, Milwaukee number nine, St. Louis ten, Colorado, Tampa, Seattle, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, then Arizona, Washington, L.A., New York Mets, San Francisco Giants, Minnesota Twins, Toronto Blue Jays, Texas Rangers, Cincinnati Reds, Detroit Tigers, the White Sox, 26th, San Diego Padres, 27th, 28th, the Miami Marlins, 29th, Kansas City, and the Orioles were 30th. Well, so far, I'm, I'm trying to come up with my power rankings, my first preview power rankings. And I did one about two weeks ago, and this was not official at all, but I had San Diego 24th. I had the White Sox 21st, and that was without my taking into account that they were going to sign either um, Manny Machado or Bryce Harper, either of those teams. Um, Now that San Diego has signed Manny Machado, uh, you begin to look at them a little bit differently, but the timing of them being really good is still off in the distance. I would say that if they could finish with 76 to 80 victories this year, that would be a really nice turnaround for them. Last year, they finished at 66 and 96. They weren't Orioles bad. They weren't Kansas City bad. But they had the third most, uh, actually the fourth most losses in all of baseball. Excuse me, the fifth most losses in baseball. The Orioles were number one. Kansas City was number two. The White Sox were number three. All three of those teams lost 100 games. Miami lost 98 games. They were the fourth. uh, Detroit lost 98 games. Miami lost 98 games. And San Diego lost 96 games. But I would think that now they are going to fall in that pocket because their pitching just isn't good enough to contend. Um, They're going to be in that, like, 17th to 20th mode. That's where they're going to be this year. And we'll see if that uh, factors into things or not. But you look at you look at the the teams that have improved from last year's finals. The Washington Nationals finished at 17th. They're going to finish, I mean, they're going to be in my initial um, 2019 preview. They'll probably be in the top 10 this year. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. Remember the Cardinals? They finished. They finished last year number ten. I had them as high in the first mock that I did a couple weeks ago. That I'm not putting out to the public. This was just me scribbling down notes. I had them at number five. The New York Mets. They finished last year number nineteen. The Mets. I have moving up five places to number fourteen. Uh, since then, they've probably picked up Jed Lowry since then. So they might be as high as tw- 11th or 12th. The Phillies, if they ha- I have them at 15. Last year, they finished at 15, despite slumping badly over the last six weeks of the season. They finished 15, just behind the Pirates. But I think the Phillies, if they sign Bryce Harper, could be looking at being in the top 12, uh, 11-12 number. Um, interesting teams. I think Boston and New York are number one and number two. The Dodgers I had at number four coming into this year. 
They finished last year number five, uh, but the Dodgers are already having some arm problems with Clayton Kershaw. So their number four spot, which I did unofficially two weeks ago, uh, may be in some jeopardy. The Houston Astros, they were number three in my first preview a couple weeks ago. Uh, I'm having a hard time putting a team that has Verlander, Cole, and then Colin McHugh, Wade Miley, and Josh James, that three, four, and five of their starting rotation. No matter how great they've got stuff coming up, um, I have a hard time with those three starters, even taking into account the analytics and how they'll improve some of these people. Uh, I have a hard time putting them number three, so they may slide a little bit. But I alluded to the Cardinals. Now, the Cardinals finished last season number 10, but remember they came on like gangbusters the second half of the year only to fade like the last two weeks of the season uh, after playing some near 600 baseball for about a month. Uh, but they've added Paul Goldschmidt, and I think the addition last year of Marcel Osuna and this year Paul Goldschmidt means that their offense is going to be fairly formidable. So we'll see. Uh, next week I'm going to aim to have my first true mock of the MLB power rankings, but I'm just giving you some of the uh, thoughts and processes. Tampa Bay Rays, 90 victories last year. It's hard to see them jumping over the Yankees or Red Sox in the American League East. That means right off the bat, it's hard to put them higher than a lot of teams that I think will make the playoffs because Tampa is going to be hard-pressed to make the playoffs because they're in the American League and one of the wild-card teams is going to be the Yankees or the Red Sox. So Tampa does have a shot at that second wild-card team, but it's hard to put them any higher. The Indians, offensively, I think the Indians are going to be challenged. But their starting rotation of Kluber, Bauer, Carrasco, um, uh, what's his name, Clevenger, Mike Clevenger, four, and Shane Bieber, five. If Bieber comes back solid this year, it's incomparable. Nobody has five starting pitchers that good. Uh, so we'll see. But, uh, again, first mock of 2019 will be up and at them next weekend. All right? Uh, I had a chance to talk to a good friend of mine the other day. Whenever I have a chance, first of all, whenever he has a chance and can be a guest on the show, he's more than accommodating. He knows the Oriole organization from top to bottom as well as anybody in town. He's Masson's Steve Molesky, and the reason we had Steve on the other day to tape this interview is because Monday he's embarking upon a new part of his career, and the Orioles are embarking on something new, which is digital broadcast of preseason games. they got 16 of them this year. They start Monday, and here's Steve Molesky. And joining us right now is uh, Masson's Steve Molesky, and uh, Steve, I've referred to you over the last, like, eight, ten years as Masson Steve Molesky, and now you're doing these new games that are going to be on the digital side of things on Orioles.com during spring training. So are you still Masson Steve Molesky, or are you Orioles and Masson Steve Molesky? Well, I mean, they're both connected to the Orioles, so that that's the good news for me. Yeah, <laughs> no changes. I mean, I'm still with Masson and writing, of course, with Rock for MassonSports.com, and one thing the Orioles did this year, which I think is going to be hopefully from on my end, provide some really good coverage for the fans that the Orioles haven't 
fans haven't had is uh, in spring training, starting Saturday, every game but one will be on either radio, television, or Orioles.com. Um, and so about half will be on Orioles.com, 16 broadcasts starting this coming Monday. Orioles will be in Fort Myers to face the Twins. And whereas in the past, where maybe fans said that game's not on 105.7 or Masson, I've got to listen to the Twins broadcast, if they even have one. Uh-huh. Uh, and now they can say I can listen to the Orioles coverage. So it should be easy. It's free in spring training. You go to Orioles.com. If you have the MLB at bat app, it should be there as well. And it should be an easy click or two, and bang, you're here in the game. All right, now I've got a, the understanding of technology about the, the way my late mom would have uh, understood technology. Is there a reason, in other words, can, could they generate, could the broadcast over the air broadcast be also on Orioles.com, or is that a, a sort of a radio rights thing where you uh, can't? Where well, you I mean, can't... I guess it's all, it's on the MLB app, which right. is sort of that, but. I don't know the legalities of that. I mean, we we could not put this this uh, internet broadcast on MassInSports.com, okay, because it goes through the team's official website and MLB, uh, which is MLB.com, and on the local version is Orioles.com. Oh. So uh, this internet broadcast would have to go there if, uh, contractually by by the legalities of it. And so, I mean, the Orioles have a massive following, obviously. Their sure. fans will find it. They'll tweet about it. They'll write about it. We'll talk about it. And everybody will find it and know it's there. And Whereas, like I said in the past, you know, and a lot of these games are weekday games, Stan. Sure. The, you know, radio and TV often do the weekends or at night games. And so it's a Tuesday or Wednesday. The Orioles are in Port Charlotte, and fans are like, I wish I could hear what's going on live right now. Well, now, now you, you can. can. And yeah. Now, so we'll have a play-by-play broadcast, uh, like radio or TV, but it'll be uh, maybe a little slightly re- relaxed and that we'll have some live guests, we'll play some tapes, we'll keep you up to date with the news of the day. So, I mean, hopefully it'll be three hours of information and entertainment on the Orioles that fans will enjoy, and, you know, we'll tell you what's going on in the game, too, so we'll have it all covered. Now, is this something that the club is just trying this spring training is this going to be part of the coverage map for the regular season uh no this is spring training i mean the regular season all the games are on radio or tv or or they're on both gotcha so in spring training all the games are not on radio and television Gotcha. okay but starting with opening day of course every game will be on masson or Masson 2, and every game will be on 105.7 The Fan and Orioles Radio Network. So I see there's the never difference. a need All right, for another I the, outlet. I see the uh, difference. In, in spring right. training, there, there is, and many teams do this, and some have been doing it for a while, uh, kind of supplements their over-the-air coverage, if you will. And so the Orioles said, we, we need to do it too. And, Steve, we think you would be a good guy to do it. And I said, thank you so much for thinking that. That's fantastic. And let's get started. All right. Now, i got to ask you the, the $64,000 question. This in no way is combined with the news that Joe Angel was retiring that came out about a week ago. But is there a chance that this is uh, either an audition or you've been told anything about you perhaps doing some games this year? I, I don't know that. I really don't. I mean, I think the Orioles basically have announcements coming on the regular okay. season as to what's going on, this for me is, is the spring training. It just doesn't right. cover anything in the regular season. And so, I mean, I look at it as a great chance. I love to do baseball play-by-play. I, I've done I know that. In the You've past. done it a lot of it in the past, yeah. 
I've done some in the minors in the college, and I've done Oriole games in the past. It's been a while, but I filled in probably eight or ten games over a couple different seasons going back a few years. So, so, so let me ask. Go you, ahead. Go, uh, let me just jump in then and ask you a question. How how different is it that that this is not the team with Adam and Zach and you know uh, eight or ten regular Orioles that you're t- you're getting this opportunity and it's a whole new ball game, so to speak. Well, it's very challenging. Spring training, I think, is challenging to cover for any media guy because in April we'll walk into the clubhouse and there'll be 25 players. This weekend we'll walk in, there'll be 60-plus. So you're keeping track of more than two times more players. You're trying to be up to speed on each one of those guys because they're in spring training they're going to get in the game. You sure. can't act like the third shortstop won't play two innings today because he might play five innings today. So you've got to be up to speed on all those guys as well as you can. Um, and there's a million changes during the game, which is not happening in the regular season. So, I mean, it's challenging, I think, for whether you're a writer, broadcaster, whatever your outlet is, to keep up with spring training. Steve, in the old days, uh, you know, and I'm a good bit older than you, but it used to be two radio guys for the, for the most part. And then maybe 25 years, 30 years ago, you got ex-players in there or analysts. Uh, you're going to be doing this for the most part. You will have guests, the press release by the club said. But for the most part, this is all on you for the entirety of the game. Well, yeah, we will have guests, and we'll have some tapes of uh, pregame cover, uh, you know, interviews. Mm-hmm. And uh, what did Brandon Hyde say today? And if there's an injury to update, I mean, we'll keep you updated with the latest. And so that will be me playing that, too. So there's a yeah. lot of juggling going on but it's not new to me it's just new to me uh, i haven't done it in a while i mean when i did games at florida state you are one man band aberdeen you're one man band you're running the equipment you're doing the announcing so it's challenging but i i love that challenge yep. and i mean i i look forward to trying to present myself well with a lot going on besides just who's pitching and so um uh but that's fun and we're definitely going to get a lot of great guests and have conversations so it's not going to be all me but Sometimes it will, and, you know, the game will carry it because one thing about this spring training for the Orioles, as you well know, there's a lot of jobs available. Yep. There's comp- there might be six catchers who any of six could make it. There might be six or eight middle infielders. Any of those could make it. A bunch of right field candidates. Who's at the back of the rotation? Who's getting the final bullpen spots? Who's on the bench? All this is unanswered. So, when you know, when when – Jack Reinheimer, for instance, is in the game. I mean, he might have a chance to impress somebody. We can't just say he has no chance when when um, Carlos Perez is catching. I mean, that might be, that's a big day for him because he's been in the big leagues before and he wants to be again. So, I mean, that's one good thing about these these uh, additional games is fans will get to hear more of these guys who are trying to make it. We're talking with Steve Molesky, and Steve, in addition to his regular responsibilities writing for Masson, is embarking on doing something the Orioles have not done in the past. They're going to have their games live-streamed, 16 of them, during spring training uh, at Orioles.com, and that begins this coming Monday, February 25th, against the Twins. Uh, So you're doing games both on the road and in Sarasota, correct? That is correct. I think 10 of the 16 are away from Sarasota, 6 are in the, at home. For instance, once we start that first game, Monday stand, five days in a row, I'll have one. The fifth 
a day out of that will be Friday where there'll be a split squad, and I'll have one of the two, and the other one, I believe, is on radio, TV, or both. So even there's three games this year where there's split squad, and both will be available to fans by either the radio, the television, or Orioles.com. There's one instance where that's not true, and I think it's the last split squad only because they both start at one. And so the Orioles, if they have a broadcast on, are not putting on something against their own broadcast. But two split squads are like a day game and a night game, and both will be available to fans by some outlets. So, I mean, the access to the fans of coverage is the most the Orioles have ever done as a franchise, as far as I know, and I think that's sensational. Very exciting, very exciting. And I'm looking forward to listening to these games uh, on Orioles.com. I'll be down March 6th through the 14th, but I'm interested in listening to some of these games. Steve, you know the organization about as, and I always say this whenever I have you on, you know it about as well as anybody. You really put your time in and your efforts in as part of your mass and coverage to know the Oriole organization inside and out. Your thoughts on Gary Kendall getting the promotion from Bowie up to Norfolk and your thoughts on why they, because they, they went with a lot, some new people, and why they feel that comfortable with Gary being the, the guy, the bridge between A and the major leagues now. Well, I mean, I think Gary is a great baseball guy, and I think people in the industry know that. And, I mean, he, you know, he's a close personal friend. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a Gary Kendall fan way back, but I'm a fan because this guy's such a great guy. But beyond that, he's a great baseball pro. Yeah, yeah. He really knows player development. I, I, I've written on my blog that if the Orioles or another organization down the road wanted to name him director of player development, he's qualified. If they wanted to put him on their major league coaching staff, he's qualified. And so this guy has been at Bowie, where some of the best prospects have been for years, and he's, he knows how to develop players. And here's what I like, Stan, and I know this to be true, and I won't run the list of names, but it's some of the biggest names that have come through the organization. At one time or another, Kendall might have benched them. Yep. I mean, I know uh, I'm not talking out of school here. One time Jonathan Scope kind of olayed a double play ball up the middle, and Kendall yanked him. Um, and he's not afraid to do that. I mean, he he will be tough love in the minor leagues, and he'll tell them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. Um, and he's just a great baseball guy, and I think he'll be great at Norfolk. And I think he had a meeting with Mike Elias and with Kent Qualls and with Brandon Hyde, and I think those three men, Kent Qualls already knew Kendall sure. well. The other two knew. Uh, he managed against Brandon Hyde in the Sally League years ago. I did not know uh, that. When uh, Kendall was at Delmarva, Brandon Hyde was in Greensboro. They managed against each other. So Brandon Hyde knew of him, and he impressed those guys. When they talked to him about, are you the right guy to be our AAA manager, I think it didn't take long into the conversation when they said, you are the right guy, let's do it, uh, you want to do it. And Gary was really comfortable at Bowie mm-hmm. uh, and loved being there, and Bowie fans loved him. And so I think this will be new to Gary, but I think he'll, it'll be a fit like a glove eventually. Is this a sign that the club is really not just talking about developing that it really wants the closest step between the minors and the majors to be a place where teaching is very much going on. It, it is. I mean, that's where the Orioles are as a franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past years, when they were contending, I think Buck looked at AAA as we got to have some quote quote unquote 4A guys, some vet. The Craig Gentry's of the world need to be stashed in Norfolk, and 
a younger Oriole rebuilding team is not putting older veteran guys in Norfolk. There might be some, there always are, mm-hmm. but they're looking for all, you know, Austin Hayes or Yusniel Diaz or Ryan McKenna or Ryan Mountcastle to be at Norfolk now, not some 31-year-old, uh, you know, this is his fifth year at AAA, and if our third baseman goes down, he could come up and help us. You know, some of the more uh, contending teams might have some of those players because they want to throw a guy in they can trust, not some kid who may not be ready. Yeah. But the Orioles, I think AAA will be younger than we've seen in years. Yeah, that's what I'm Another I'm reason to get Gary up there, uh, and Gary will be with players like Brandon Klein if he's at AAA, who he was with last year, and, and Brandon flourished under, under Gary. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, man, they're going younger all the way, yep. and, and, and they develop at AA, AAA, and the major leagues. I mean, you finish off player development at the major league level now. Before we let you go, Steve Molesky, I alluded to the fact that Joe Angel's retiring. Uh, news came out last week. Um, your thoughts, I know you've known him pretty closely over the past uh, 10, 12 years uh, in his third and last run as an Oriole broadcaster. Your thoughts on him interpersonally with you and then what he's meant here in our marketplace? Well, he's meant considerable amount uh, in the marketplace. He's loved by Oriole fans. I mean, the outpouring when the news came out that this would be uh, Joe would not be coming back. His, you know, his choice. The outpouring was a massive uh, in my blog and, and outlets I looked at. And so he 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 struck a great balance of a having a great voice, which he has. Sure. B calling the hell out of the game, which he's done for many forty plus years. But C having humor, making us laugh. Um, calling out a player if he didn't run out of ground ball, he had enough cachet. To do that, he wasn't afraid to do that, and he just really struck a great balance on working all that into a broadcast. And for so many years, nineteen with the Orioles was just a familiar voice, a comfortable voice, an easy voice to listen to, but also a guy who's going to call the hell out of the game. You know, it wasn't just he has a nice voice, he's a pleasant guy. He's he's given us what we need to hear, and so just a great balance of all of the above. No ego. And, you know, personally to me, he's always been a friend and supportive and encouraging of just about anything I've ever done. And, I, you know, I, I very much uh, thanked him for that already and always will. Um, and so he's a gem, man, and yep. he's going to be missed. But I think the great thing for Joe is, you know, he's, he's still got plenty of living to do and he plenty sure of life does. experiences to have, and he's getting out on top. Not when his health is failing or anything. I mean, he's he's going to be out in that golf course tearing it up. I mean, he's going to be doing whatever he wants, being with his family and friends and loved ones. And um, I, I just you know, think he could go in that booth another ten years if he wanted to. I just think if Fred were still there and healthy enough to to do the grind, I think he might have stayed another year or two. But uh, you know, I I think uh, he and Fred had a unique chemistry there. And I'll tell you one thing, and you and I have both been in this business a long time, Steve. There's not many people that when they leave a market come back a second time and then a third time, as Joe did. It, it speaks to the kind of person he was. It does. It speaks very highly, and Joe himself has made that point, especially at the major league level. This yep. is really unheard of, unusual. Yep. Um, and so he's just always been welcome back. I mean, he's a great fit in Baltimore. Oriole fans love him today. They'll love him tomorrow, and they'll love him forever. 
And so hopefully at some point maybe he'll make his way back just to say hello. You know, yep. I mean, he's not probably, I don't think he has intends to broadcast uh, anymore. But, you know, may pop in the booth or whatever and not be a stranger. But, right. you know, Joe has earned the right after his amazing career to do whatever he wants, ride off into the sunset as far as he wants to ride, hang out at the beach, play golf, see the see the family, see the see uh, the relatives, whatever he wants to do, you know. And, well, and he'll do it with uh, that booming voice and a great sense of humor ever, along the way. I know one thing. If he surprises everybody with a trip to Sarasota, he'll be a guest on one of your digital broadcasts on <laughs> Orioles.com. He would be very, very welcome at uh, any time, as would Fred and Jim Hunter and Gary Thorne. And, I mean, that would be – if I sat in there with Gary Thorne one day, I'd, I'd take a picture of that. That would be – I'd like – I need – I'm like, Gary, <laughs> roll tape. I need to have a copy of this inning. All right. Steve, we wish you great success with this. We know how much you love baseball, you love the Orioles, and you love play-by-play. We'll be promoting this uh, throughout the spring on the bat around and let people know when they can listen to you. Hey, thanks, Stanley. All right, thanks again. And we'll be back with more of the bat around after these commercial words. And the first commercial word you're going to hear from the live Casino Hotel Studios about the Costas Inn, located 4100 North Point Boulevard. You hear us each and every Saturday when Craig Heist is here and I, we, we bully over with how enthusiastically we love the Costas Inn. We love the Costas family. Well, actually, they're the Triantafilos family. This place has been around since 1971. So they've been around a long time. You don't build up a reputation like they have unless you deliver the goods. And they deliver the goods every single day of the week, including the five weeknights where they have specials. Monday night is rib night. Tuesday night is crab cake night. Wednesday night, my personal favorite, steak night. Thursday night is lobster night, and that is my wife Jane's favorite. Then Friday, Pete Triantafilos will surprise you with a mix of a bunch of different specials uh, each and every Friday night. Great uh, bar menu as well. Their crab soup is fantastic. The crab cakes are incredible. The live crabs, the steamed crabs, not the live crabs, the steamed crabs that you'll eat there. Um, they'll come. They'll have you coming back for more, but I always try and impress upon you how much the other food is of great value, great quality, and the service there. Par excellence. It's just incredible. The Costas Inn, it's a favorite of a lot of the folks in the media because they've always treated us right, and we want to get the word out that they are a place to stop by. And again, whether it's a birthday gift, a graduation gift, uh, an office party you're throwing for somebody leaving, you want to get them a gift, a $50 or $100 gift card from the Costas Inn is the way to go. 410-477-1975. And uh, that operator will put you in touch with somebody you can buy your gift card from. The Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. 
Score big at the Green Turtle with our legendary crab dip, juicy burgers, or any of our delicious boardwalk iced teas and lemonades. Bring the whole team and celebrate your latest win in our rent-free party room. Need to raise money for your sports league or team? Our Funds for Friends program has raised over $1 million for local sports organizations. Everyone is a winner at the Turtle. Visit thegreenturtle.com to find your local turtle. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we offer one more salute to Joe Flacco as his tenure in Baltimore comes to a close. Prominent media members and public figures, including Mayor Catherine Pugh, share their thoughts on what Flacco has meant to the city. Also inside, you'll find our annual comprehensive college lacrosse preview. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and at PressBoxOnline.com. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. Section 336 here with all your Baltimore sports talk. The Raven season is now done, but the Orioles season is just ahead. We have a new GM. We have a new manager. We have a few new baseball players out there. Reason for optimism. I don't know if you can name any of those new players, and I think we won 40-some games last year. Yeah, but I remember a terrible year in 1988 where we were able to turn it around the very next year in 1989. Why not 2019? Why yeah, not? why not? Why not check out Section 336 at Section336.com, Facebook, or on Twitter and iTunes as well. Just search for Section 336. The Glory Days Grill-to-Go menu is based on a simple reality. You can't spend your whole life at Glory Days Grill. Your boss wouldn't like it, and neither would your kids or your dog. So come to Glory Days and get your food to go. On your way to soccer practice, or to the office, or to, well, wherever. We know the hardest part of visiting Glory Days Grill is leaving. But at least you take a little piece of us wherever you go. Glory Days Grill. Great food. Good sports. What a sweet time to see our friend Steve at his Chick-fil-A restaurant in Nottingham Square. The chocolate milkshakes are the way they should be at Chick-fil-A, thick and chocolatey. But so is the peppermint chocolate chip milkshake, thick, chocolatey, and pepperminty. The strawberry milkshake is thick and very strawberry-y like it's supposed to be. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square also has frosted coffee and ice-cold vanilla shakes. Plus, there's a cookies and cream milkshake. Cookies and cream! The Chick-fil-A sandwich is the best. The waffle fries are amazing. And at Steve's Chick-fil-A in Nottingham Square, his folks come around to check on you if you dine in. They refilled my drink for nothing the last time I was there. Do not leave hungry. Top off your next meal at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square with something sweet. Shakes, cones, and cookies. All done the way you'd expect from Chick-fil-A perfectly. Join Chick-fil-A 1 and score points every time you order for free stuff. Our Chick-fil-A is on Campbell Boulevard in the Nottingham Square Shopping center and we are back on the battle round uh from the live casino hotel studio and before we wrap things up for saturday we'll remind you that uh, tomorrow morning uh ken Zalis and uh kyle ottenheimer will be with you for fantasy and reality football show and then glenn clark and kyle ottenheimer all week long from 
the live casino hotel studios between 10 and 12. A couple baseball notes before we hit the air, uh, before we leave the airways. Bien Young Kim, submarining relief pitcher from Korea, and he played in Korea and Japan before coming to MLB, pitched for the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks uh, in the 2001 World Series. He's retiring. The White Sox and Irvin Santana have agreed to a minor league deal. He can make $4.3 million if he makes the major league roster, and I would expect he would. Jed Lowry is out with a knee strain, which could miss could cause him to miss opening day. And the Cardinals have extended Jose Martinez through the season of 2020, uh, 2020. And one last note, the Reds are discussing a minor league deal with Jose Iglesias. Boy, that's who I really would have liked rather than uh, Alcides Escobar. Uh, but uh, c'est la vie. We'll see what that – I'm sure that contract is sort of a – a uh, five hundred thousand, six hundred thousand. If he doesn't make the team, and one that's going to pay him over three million dollars if he makes the team. I think he made six million dollars last year with the Tigers. All right, that's going to wrap up the show for this Saturday. If you missed any or all of it, you can uh, listen to it on the archives. Or find us on Facebook Live by going to facebook.com slash Sports. We had on today Todd Karpovich, Eric Garfield from Baltimore Snowball Company at Ed Smith Stadium, Boog Powell from Boog's Barbecue at Ed Smith Stadium. We then had Mike Shallon on to discuss the untimely and sad passing of our friend Nick Cafardo of the Boston Globe. We also had on um, Greg Olson, former Orioles closer, and then we ended up things with that chat with Steve Molesky. And again, his first digital broadcast is Monday at 1 o'clock on Orioles.com. All right, that's it. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you next Saturday.